Okay, welcome back, everybody, to Tone Deaf. I'm Tone. And I'm Deaf. Well, uh, it's good to see you, Deaf. Uh, I, I, you've got some reporting to do for us uh, yeah, right off I've, the bat. Yeah, I've, I've you... heard a couple bands in the last few weeks that I could uh, mention and tell you a little bit uh, about them. All right, fire away. Uh, one of them was uh, the, the Tragedy Brothers. Uh, I think it was about uh, a week ago or so that they played. Yeah, that would have been November 6th. Yeah, right? November, yeah. At Iron Smoke out in Fairport. Uh, They put on a great show. I think they played for about an hour and a half. Uh, They um, were premiering their new album, which um, the songs are are fantastic. They did a great job uh, that evening. Good attendance? Was it? Uh, yeah, I'd say about maybe, there must have been like at least 150 people there. They were also celebrating the 1981 uh, reunion of, of the, of, from the class of McQuaid. 81. 81 class of yeah, McQuaid. 40 years, right. how fast they go. Oh, huh? absolutely. Yeah, wow, well, yeah, God yeah. bless those guys, and 40 yeah. more is what I got uh, to say. Uh, to another them. act that I saw was, um, let's see, Rock Paper Sisters. It's a duo, two women that have been playing for about six months, and uh, they're very good. Their vocals are very strong, and... Uh, they were at uh, the woodshed out on Lake Avenue, and I saw them uh, f- this past Friday night at um, at uh, the Fairport Landing, and and that was well attended too. So yes, I've seen a couple acts. Yeah. Uh, what, what what kind of music do they do? Uh, they do sort of the um, the same stuff that your other bands or duos do. You know, um, uh, let's see, uh, Paul Simon. Uh, they do the song Sunshine. They do some uh, some country songs that are very popular. Mm-hmm. That even though I'm not a country fan, I, I knew I've heard these songs. So it's sort of a, a mix. Of, oh, that's of, great. Of tunes, yeah. Great. So great. yeah. And, and there's a little backstory too uh, from the Tragedy Brothers show. You met someone there. Uh, let's see. Refresh my memory because I don't know. <laughs> I've had so many things going on. Well, Duff, uh, I happen to be looking directly across the table at him. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I, I met uh, Jason Mudkoff at, um, at, at a Tragedy Brothers concert at Abilene's. That's really one of the first times we got to talk uh, for a while. Great guy, great keyboard player, and he's our guest today. And we're very, very lucky, and I, I'm thanking him over and over again for showing up because I'm, I'm going to guarantee that you're going to learn a lot today uh, from the Rochester music scene. And by the way, just to remind everyone, too, uh, that's what our podcast is dedicated to, to recognizing uh, the arts in Rochester. Um, and today is, we've got music front and center with Jason Muskoff, who is uh, to join us. He's a keyboard player, okay, for the group Noble Vibes. Uh, it's a group that's been around since 2011. Uh, they notably uh, have share, shared the stage in their past with Third World, Inner Circle, Toots and the Maytals, and the Whalers. Their last CD was. Uh, called On the Radio, and um, you can listen to some of that on their website, uh, Noble Vibes, and uh, also a few uh, great videos that they have there, too, for you to kind of get a feel for the band and its members. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on uh, Jason, and Jason, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Tone. And And Jeff. Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. Absolutely, you guys. Um, And uh, just... Uh, real quickly, uh, to um, one of the songs uh, on that uh, CD for uh, the Tragedy Brothers, uh, you co-wrote or wrote, or uh, let's get it figured well, out th- here. Well, there is there there is one on mm-hmm. St. Nicholas Hall. Uh, right before I had to leave the band, unfortunately, because I had a parent that was sick uh, last year. Uh, Joe kind of took a skeleton of the song that I had and 
put some really good lyrics to it, and they still do it now. So that's the St. Nicholas Hall, and I also came, helped them with arrangements for uh, Peggy Girl, and, and I love their one song, City Limits, too, so you can go into that. Now, are those three songs on their new uh, CD? I know the first two were that you mentioned, Peggy Girl and yeah. the one that you co-wrote, but I'm not sure about City Limits. Uh, City Limits probably was a CD before. Oh, I guess okay. it was. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was the title. Okay. It was a CD, right, yeah. CD right, before, right. title two, yeah, yeah, of the CD. Yeah. Right. Um, well, uh, let's just dig down deep here in terms of how did you get into music, Jason? What, what was your inspiration, and how young were you? Uh, well, I was... Probably third or fourth grade, I started taking Suzuki piano, and it wasn't really uh, the methodology or the philosophy of how, how your, your parents had to practice with you or whatever. I don't think my mom, got, as a single parent, really got on with that. So I went right. back to Hochstein, uh, was studying with Joe Warner, who was a pianist for the Philharmonic. Whoa. And um, took some time off and then studied in 1995 to the present with Richard Delaney, who's from the Mambo Kings. Okay. He's oh, a yeah. jazz player, yeah. yeah. So he's my teacher at Hockside now, and you know he's still there. I, I took 20 years off and just came back in oh, 2016 cool. to start playing with That's him fantastic. again. But it was more by accident. I could pick out things by ear. You know, I'd be playing like the Hill Street Blues theme or Chariots oh, of Fire or Up Where We Belong oh, right. you know, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. Joe Cocker and things like that. And I used to drive my sister crazy. But um, I you, just you, kept with it. You used to pick that right up by ear? Some, some of some it. Of I mean, it. I could yeah. read a, a little bit. But, you know, I'd get these easy versions. And some of it I could pick out melodies. And we had an old upright in the house. And I just kept playing and, you know, stuck with it all of these years, you know. So here we are. <laughs> well, why the piano? Was it just was it your parents that led you in that direction? Well, I, I think back then, and you don't see that much anymore with kids in music education, but mm -hmm. I think that there was always a piano in everybody's house when you're growing up. That's true. It if you're over 50, yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, and so um, the, we just had it there, and I kind of went to it. And I, I believe that with instruments, um, the instrument finds you. You don't find it. I think, I think it kind of chooses you. I know that's kind of a Zen thing, but... Um, and you really don't have any choice, you're going to play whatever. You know? Have you ever experimented with anything else? Yes. Actually, drums. I was in the drum line when I was at Bishop Carney, um, and I played marimba, too, because we were doing field show, and they were like, well, you oh. know the notes to the keyboard, so can you, you know, you play xylophone? And I'm like, so I kind of taught myself. And That's awesome. When <laughs> we were doing parades in Boston and New York and field show competitions, so, you know, I would warm up with the drum line when I was at Carney all those years, and so that was kind of a second thing, you know. I wasn't... Uh, uh, a big drum kit drummer, but yeah, that was kind of the second so, instrument, you know. So, so you were like walking and playing music at the same time. Yeah, we would have to march, and there's a marching xylophone. Yeah. Man, yeah. I, I don't know that I could do that. I couldn't even do either one of them. That's amazing yeah. that yeah, you were yeah. able to do that. Yeah. Nine miles parade. The parades oh, would be so long. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever try xylophone at all in your? In, in, not, not in a live music situation. No, no, but I meant oh. ever like try the xylophone. Yes, know? I did in yep. concert band when uh -huh. we would, you know, we would do Jesus Christ Superstar, West Side Story, and I would be playing those, you know, they would send a percussion score from New York City. Oh, there was well, no internet back then, so you'd have these huge scores of music, oh, and right. they would, you know, you'd have to figure out the parts and everything. So yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. So, um, uh, how serious were you to music? as you started to grow up? Like, was it a 50-50 deal with like going to school and doing your homework? Uh, or did music completely engulf you? You, you had to keep playing, playing. How did that I, work? I had to keep playing, and even with the marching band, I mean, sometimes my grades wouldn't be good in high school, and uh -huh. I, barely, I barely graduated, you know? And I, I think the, the, for a musician, kind of the blessing and the curse is that, it, I mean, it's not a curse, but you're blessed with talent, and you're blessed with sharing it with people. But you still have to get good grades, and you still have to make a living. And, and 
I think as musicians, sometimes we might put music before family or other things and kind of regret it later. But um, it, is, it, it is either the other woman in the relationship or the other job that you have if you're doing it kind of part time, you know. So um, that, that it did, I did suffer sometimes because of it, some decisions, but, you know, it all works out. Oh, I mean, I, 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 I agree. And, I, and it's one of the things that I admire about musicians because they've got lousy hours. Lousy pay, sure, um, and you know you're you're dealing with things that a lot of times um, n no one would want to deal with in terms of uh, hassles w mm -hmm. wherever you're playing that night, if you know what I mean. So you, it's got to be hard for you to get up and do it the next week or the next day, you know, in terms of why am I doing this? What rewards am I getting out of it? You know? Right. So sure. I I admire you for it, Jason. You must really love it. Absolutely. Now let's uh, kind of direct you. Uh, towards uh, what were your first bands that you played with as you were growing up or you know uh, well there was a band there were the, the first one was Last Call and that was Southern Rock we were playing Skinner you know this is 88, 89 oh the years make a difference yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, it, you know and when there, there was still kind of a Southern Rock scene sure. and, you know, Skinner and the Allman Brothers and uh, that type of thing and we had two or three guitarists and I'm still in touch with these guys today and I was no playing kidding. keyboards with them and then wow then I slowly got, uh, that lasted a few years, then I got in 1992 with Peter Nabit in Wonder House. Oh, yes. You, I, you remember, I, I remember. I sure do remember Peter. Peter. Yeah. He's not in town anymore, uh, is he's he? He's in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, you found me on Facebook, and so we, we talk every once in a while. Does he still in music? Uh, I think he does sound. I think he's running. Uh, uh, too bad. Yeah, you know, but he was a great writer. I mean, he yes. just had these incredible songs. Yes, he did. He was, he was gifted. Yeah, and there were some top-notch musicians. Uh, you know, Bill Tiberio played with us, David oh, DeWitt. Really? Tony, Tony Padilla. And, yes. You know, I, I, and Nate Coffey, yeah. guitar Nate. player. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, Eric, another guitar player. And then sometimes Ronnie Dorsey was playing bass. And I believe a guy named Alex Fatteruso. And that was a big world beat band. Some reggae, some. Okay. You know, Calypso type of uh, influence things and Latin stuff. And, you know, Peter, his writing was all over the place. You'd have a rock song and then you would go to a totally different genre, you know. Oh, wow. and that lasted until about 94. And then I was in a band called The Outcasters that was a reggae band from 96 to 2002. Oh, right. Wow. So, and it was, uh, so when, when does reggae kind of take off in, in the Rochester area where there's a sort of a demand for reggae bands to play well at that at that time I, I wasn't really sure you know we, we uh, before we, we were just uh -huh. talking about the you know Bahama Mama and yes Putz Brothers and can, uh, can, can you quickly talk oh, about them yeah uh, sure. just so, so we, we don't leave anyone in the dark here? oh yeah sure Ron Sackman Louis LaVilla uh, mm -hmm. Jim is the bass player yep. and Kevin's playing guitar a guy named Kevin they were big roots previously and um, they kind of play when they ever whenever they want and it's great to see them great guys talented um, yeah very talented and I used to just I was. They were like the elder statesmen of reggae, and I used to go to see them at the old milestones every uh, Wednesday night. We would go after band practice, me and a bass player, a friend of mine, and we'd go and watch them, and we just liked the scene. So yes. I kind of got into it con totally by accident because I just liked the band. I liked the vibe, and there was Charlie Frieda playing horns. Oh, and, yes. Yeah, the uh, very, the Buddha it, master. Dave Gibson. Yeah, there was there was different uh, a couple different horn players, and then Ron Skill, who's, uh, Ronnie yes. Skill, who was in... Um, Ignite now, and so we just—I I kind of inserted myself in the scene. Hmm. Yeah, and which is which. No matter if you're playing Irish music or Italian music or whatever, you know, you have to make it part of your life. Absolutely, that's, you know, and 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 follow the bands and the community and that's involved with it. No, you know? no, no, you say community. Um, describe what the musical community is about. I mean, like you. Mm -hmm. is, are, is, 
Is there a lot of cooperation? Is there a lot of... You know, well, there's, there's cooperation. When you're dealing with cultural music, there's a little bit of what I call cultural protectionism from Caribbean people with the music. I understand they grew up with it. It's like us growing up with the Stones or Hendrix. We're going to know when it's not right or something. Okay, you know, right. you know? Uh, So we were... Um, there was a, a few bands in town, and we always kind of played the same gigs. And there were some rough patches with people, you know, people talk, it's how it is, and my band's better than yours, and Ooh, that type of thing. Wow, you know that, I mean? kind of, that kind it, of... Uh... It, 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 did, it got tense sometimes, you yeah, know? Yeah, sure, and, sure. And, and that, that will be that way for about any music. But when you're talking about something that's, that means a lot to people, um, when you're recreating Bob Marley or Gregory Isaacs or any of these, these artists, there's a certain uh, expectation from the fan base that it sounds a certain way. And so certain music that's based on rhythm, Latin music, reggae, calypso, is built, on, the music kind of dictates the rules. You don't. It's, it was brought up a certain way. It, 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 there's certain things, certain methods of playing, notes and rhythms that you have to do. But uh, I don't want to digress, but the music scene no, over no, here, no. Is, it, the music scene here is actually pretty good. It's pretty rich. I don't think there's enough venues to play as part of the problem. Uh, that's usually the problem. So there's competition yeah. for that. You right. know, people, will, right. you know, sometimes bands will use another band to get into a club or like, hey, can you get me into Three Heads or can you get me into Danny's Place at Abilene or, or whatnot or the Loving Cup. Those are like the big venues or Water Street, sure. you know, or whatever it's called now, Funkin' Waffles. But yeah. Uh, so there's not, a, there's not a lot of an outlet. That's the problem. There's not enough places for people to play. You know, yeah. And for sound companies to work and, and all the support people to go along with it. You know? One of the things I love seeing, too, is I, I notice many times a band member is out and suddenly sure. they have a sub in there. Somebody from the community comes in and sits in and, and sure. plays with that band. I love that. that that's part. great. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll do that from time to time if I'm asked, you know. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It, so um, where did you go from there then in terms of your band history? So well, after, back on after track. The, I'm sorry, after the no, Outcasters, no. I, I, was, uh, I, I joined a band called the Legendary Dukes, which is the old Wimler Alexander and the oh Dukes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I was remember the, that. I was the last. I joined when I was 40, and I was the youngest member. <laughs> so, 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 and that was in 2007 or something. And I stayed with them for four years. A lot oh, of good you? guys. Yeah, Steve yeah. Lyons, many more. Uh, Joe Pizzo, uh, wow. my, my friend Nick Moses. I'm very close with one of the horn players, David DeWitt, who's in Florida. And with them, it wasn't always much about the music, but the loadouts and the load-ins. I mean, they had tons of stories. They've been together oh. 50 years, you know, <laughs> and, in different and, forms. And, you know? and, right, yes, right. And, and, and extremely famous. I mean, yeah, yeah. too. Right. I mean, yeah. they, mm -hmm. they were well-known and yeah. a, a pride of Rochester, yeah. uh, I thought. At the, what, in the 70s, maybe, was their well, heyday? I think they, they came out in 57, yeah. and they oh, wow. didn't, the organ player was kicking bass pedals. There was no bass player, and then they eventually picked up members in the late 60s they were huge they would play at hobart college they were playing in buffalo right. at the casino and uh just they, they were famous what I was mean. there was there a, a, a song what was their note give me one more chance, chance. that's, well, it. that's it. Alexander alexander yeah. yeah, that's it and then they had a great cover of living in the usa, USA yep. and i'm free which is the stones song and it's yeah. it gets played in the r&b stations on the oldie station still it does right oh that's, that's wonderful cool. that's wild. Do, you, do, do you have any contact with them um well i, I still see all the guys yeah um, where though well steve lyons plays with oh, the lps yes that's Mitty, right. the singer he had left right before i did and well the band the, the band finally broke up in, uh -huh. in 2011 uh, Mitty has the followers I've sat in with him, and we do some of the same songs. We also have uh, some of the horn players play, like in Big Logic or various groups. You know, Very Joe cool. Pizzo still has uh, Smoking Joe's down there. He's the drummer of the Dukes. And so oh, that's awesome. There's two original members. Wilmer is left, and then the drummer Ronnie lives uh, of the the original Dukes lives in Florida. Oh. Wow. 
Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. But they hey. were that was that was for four years. It was a lot of fun. You know? Hey guys, if you're listening out there, how about a reunion and we'll, we'll give you Jason for free. <laughs> yeah, uh, they did. They did a little one with some of the original oh, really? members. That uh, with Ted Lincoln and Steve Lyons. It was at uh, 75 Stutzen Street. Oh, they did do that. Point. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did we miss that? Was it yeah, recently? Yeah, it was uh, oh, about that's... a couple months ago. I, I, I couldn't oh. go because I had a gig that night myself. So. Oh, oh that's a yeah. shame. <laughs> I, I, we, that got biased. Oh, well, so next. Next group. Next, uh, next group, and I've always I, I was playing with a guy that I still some of our members we've we've kind of had this west east uh, you know western New York reggae thing with a guy named Neville Francis who I've been playing with who was part of the Satellites and he played with a lot they were a big group in Toronto that had played for a long time and done they won some Juno awards they've been all over oh, cool. Canada and stuff in, in the U S. What is, what is that? Neville, Ju Juno, well, Ju no, Juno. Ju the Juno Awards are, are kind of their version of the Grammys. Right. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. I didn't so, know that. So, the satellites, we come down here uh, once in a while for a show in Buffalo, Rochester, and I met this guy, Neville, and we were out, I was out in Las Vegas and happened to see him out there, and he's like, he's, I've been looking for you for years. So, I, I play with him a lot <laughs> cool. in Western New York and Buffalo. That's uh, exciting, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, then, then I, I, I said, you know what, I, I'm... 40-something years old in 2011, let me try it out. I had seen a lot of road signs of bad things that bands do, and I wanted to see if I could run my own show. Wow. And wow, that's Just to see if I could do it. So I grabbed uh, Bill Hooper, who's also the sound guy for um, the Tragedy, Tragedy Brothers, who works at Love and Cop, is a very good friend of mine. Um, I kind of had him on the side, and I said, you know, I might put something together. What do you think? Uh, and then... The singer and I, the singer named Deanna McKenzie of Noble Vibes, um, who's just so incredibly talented, probably more than she knows. <laughs> she, uh, her, and I had been talking about putting a group together, and she's she's like, "Well, let me know what happens." And so I took uh, a, a shot at Craigslist. It was still kind of new. Yeah. And I met a guitarist over here on Roby Drive named Stephen Galbraith, and we didn't know if we were going to become like a an R&B or a soul band first, and we were experimenting with that. We got a friend of ours, uh, George Austin, who's a bass player, and we put the band together. The pieces just kind of came together within a year, and we started playing out in about the end of 2012. Ah, oh, that's so, exciting. So, uh, and we've only had a couple of membership changes. We have uh, Nefetari Pinnock on uh, flute and piano, and then Jesse Herrera, who's yes. Tony's friend. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Jesse, Jesse out yeah, there, Uncle, Uncle Luck. Yeah, Uncle Luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask about that one. Oh no, you have to. And I, I, I'll tell you another thing about. I've got to mention this about Jesse. I've known him a lot longer than you. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I, one thing I knew about him was he was a jack of all trades. He always has been a, oh, yeah. a beautiful man in that way. But he surprised me when suddenly he shows up in a band playing the bass. I never knew he had it in him. Yeah, so, yeah he does. Shout out to you, Jesse. You got so much talent. Um, and yeah, he's a great guy. You know, he'll call me every day. What are you doing? Well, I'm fixing a camper. I'm fixing my. <laughs> See what I mean? He's Jack just, all yeah, trades. Yeah, good mechanic and everything. Yep. Really good, good friend. Yep. Good bass player. He took to the music. It was in him. Oh. Um, and you know, every member that he was the one that had to, he had to fill some large shoes from a previous bass player, George. Huh. Who had left in 2016, and so Jesse went in there and jumped in, you know, feet first or head first or whatever, and and has been a great friend and a great great bass player. He helps us yes. out in Buffalo sometimes. Yes. And, and so uh, Joe Randazzo is our drummer, and right. Joe was played with our sound guy Bill in a band called Sugar that was popular. They toured for years and years. Mm -hmm. So that's the line, the lineup of the band, and um, we've played all throughout the Finger Lakes. Uh, we do the Brighton Buckland Park every year. They have. Uh -huh. the, uh, yeah, I've seen that, that. That's where you that's saw us. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a great show. And, um, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, we've done things in the Finger Lakes, the waterfront, um, uh, Cuca Lake. We do some of the wineries, uh, oh, Deer awesome. Run, and um, a, a few and, different and, venues. You yeah, know? and every, everybody has, you know, a day job, right? Right. Yeah, when you're, you're doing this kind of right. part time. It's um, hard. It, it, it's hard, and, you know, we kept everything on a Google Calendar, and wow. sometimes there's confusion. You know, we try to get to practice and learn new songs, and there's, there's a, a pressure of being in a band. Because exponentially, people want more from you as you go on. You have to reinvent yourself. You have to learn new songs. It's tough. And that's not just for reggae. That would be any music that you're... Oh, no doubt. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's yes. like anything else. You yes. have to put time in. And sometimes you don't feel like it. You're tired. You've worked or, you know. And But these guys are pretty good about coming together pretty, pretty much. I mean, um, one thing about music that you should know or a band or a theater company, it's not a perfect thing. So what you have to do is accept that and think about that when times are tough, because it helps you get around some corners and some tough times, you know. Oh. You know, Yo, good philosophy. Yeah, it really is. And you know, and, you know, and yeah. another thing about that is the longer that people are in a band, their kind of their true self comes out. You're dealing with people, so so much of what we do depends on what other people do. One mm -hmm. member, you know, mm -hmm. if one member is mm -hmm. not pulling their weight, you know, they either have to be replaced, um, Ouch. or they have to be, you know, or you, you know, we have That's to tough. talk to them, and you know. Bands do interventions, and, and then I, I think with the music sometimes also, if you want to have a couple of beers and you're going to play for some friends, that's fine. But when you start working with national acts and you're doing these big openers, like we've done the Whalers, and you, know, you want things to be good. And so you know, if Jeff Springett calls from Party in the Park and says, look, I wanted you guys to open up for Toots, you kind of got to be ready. All right, guys, what set are we going to do? Our original music, you know, maybe put a couple covers in. So there's all kinds of decisions that have to be made. And, and so far, so good. Uh, it hasn't... It, it's, it's been a good run. You what, know? What's the status of the band now? Well, the status of the band is a, a little bit that it's, it's on high ice right now. You okay. know, we're getting their kids back to school. Oh, yes, uh, yes. And uh, people have some things that they want to work out. And that's sure. kind of where we are right now. You know what I mean? We still own the name. Um, we still have merchandise. We still have a web presence. And, you know, it's... We're going to keep our fingers crossed. Oh, yeah. You guys... We've got to get, get you out there again. Get yeah, out yeah, there yeah. Again. Absolutely. Uh, really good people and uh, talented and uh, a good amount of chemistry, which doesn't always happen with musicians. You can have a lot of great musicians in bands, and then it just does not something It doesn't there. gel. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. you have original songs. Well, the, uh, the band does. Stephen yes. and uh, Deanna I mean. started writing uh -huh. songs mm -hmm. together, mm -hmm. and they had three or four of them and I said well why don't we move a bridge to this song and uh, change the bass line a little bit on this song and those were some of the biggest hits uh, Reggae Highway, a song called Welcome to My Heart, What Happens Between Us and those things and they really when they've worked together uh, they work very well together you know they're kind of a very good songwriting team you know uh, we had a song Welcome to My Heart that Steve came out with Welcome to My Heart and she had two verses written the next day and drop the harmonies and everything on wow, the cool. first takes. Yeah, the next day and right over in uh, not Aerobie at that time we were in Chelmsford. Wow, that's so great. Great. <laughs> inspirational. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no. When you guys are deciding, you know, the direction of a song, uh, you know, reggae is usually, well, maybe I'm wrong on this, mm -hmm. is associated with you know political strife. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you guys like discuss whether or not you know we're going to be political or this is going to be a love song or how does that right. go? And you're right, the social economic sure. uh, treatment of, of Jamaicans and you yes. know, Bob Marley was his songs were so timeless yes. because he was writing about yes he was write, writing about what was happening in the country before mm -hmm. most people knew who Bob Marley was. I've talked to Jamaicans that knew him back in the day, and the music did have an element of. You know, love and lovers rock—they call it—and talking about relationships, there was that aspect of it too. Um, 
most of our songs have not been about that social political stance. Mm -hmm. um, you mm -hmm. have to kind of be careful about what you're writing. Oh, about no sometimes. question. Yes. You know, so we're, some of our songs are relationship based, you know, and some are about the DJ scene. Um, but What's most that of, mean, the DJ the, Well, scene. the DJ scene in Jamaica is the big turntables and speakers you'll see where they're yes. rapping or toasting over a, a rhythm, uh -huh. you know? Right. And then later on, they took that aspect in the 70s and brought it to a band type of format. You know, they'd play a bunch of rhythms. People would come up and sing on songs, like Ron Skill from, you know, yes. you might have seen him with Big Roots. Yes, yes. He's an Ignite. He can do that. You know, they just do it off the cuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's really the inspiration for hip-hop. Uh, in, the, in the South Bronx in the, the late 70s was that West Indians that had moved there in the 50s, their that. kids, mm -hmm. um, came and started with the big DJ in the sound system and you know, hip-hop was born. It's, it's really an East Coast wow. thing from the 70s. I mean, I, wanna, I don't want to digress, but that, no. that came from a lot of the Jamaican sound systems that were brought in and there was a big, uh, I would say there was a big cultural change when in New York, when a, a people from Puerto Rico and Jamaica and a lot of the West Indies came in in the 50s and the 40s, and their kids were some of the popular performers and everything like that, and started influencing what was going on in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now, I didn't know that. You were talking about, I didn't either. And, and talking about rhythm, too. Mm -hmm. Why? I, I noticed two organs. Why? What, I, I, I'm a little ignorant of that. No, well, no, why? it's okay. So, in in in... The way reggae is designed now, we don't carry a live horn section. Like the Majestics have a couple horn players, or uh, I think the medicinals use horns. They're another band in town that does some reggae um, because it's more people to pay. So a lot of times we'll be playing brass parts, or I'll be playing certain melody lines on the keyboard, oh. and in in Nefertari yeah. we'll play rhythm with you know an organ sound and a piano sound. So the band's set up for the arrangements to have kind of a dense middle. Um, not pocket, but a dense layer of uh, sound in the middle, and then the drum and bass, too, because the, the music is based off of drum and bass. Mm -hmm. It's based on rhythm, you know? Right. And then the guitar will either play... Sometimes we'll have two guitarists. Steve plays either rhythm or leads, too, so it's a little bit hard for him sometimes, but we, we manage. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I he's also, been a trooper, so... I want to uh, direct next to... Uh, you have an interview coming up soon at City Newspaper. Yeah, that was so weird how that kind of yeah. coincided with is, this. Is it on the like, reggae scene in Rochester? It's going to be about the reggae scene and kind of the, the, the little bit of pocket. There's little different pockets and little facets of it. There you have the, more of your roots and culture, which is like your Marley music, your, you know, very, you know, slow and dub and drum and bass music. And then you have some of us who have kind of a pop edge and uh, do some of the drum and bass stuff too. Uh, and it was... I don't, it was brought up by the editor. One of the editors of City gave me an email about a week and a half ago asking, That's great. you know, would you like to talk about it? And I had actually gone to Evan Dawson that oh. runs the XXI show. Yes. Um, I'm not, is it Opinions? Yeah, I think so. Opinions, like yeah. Opinions. And I said to him, uh, you know, could we talk about this? And um, COVID happened and shut everything down, so we kind of forgot about it. And oh. then, so City just con contacted me, and I talked about some of the bands and the same things with the music scene going on here, and I don't think there's really a reggae scene, you know, I mean, I think people are just trying to all play at the same clubs, I think, yeah. you know, and I, I think a lot of bands, whether it's the Tragedy Brothers or friends of mine that are me and the boys, we all have that, uh, we all have that struggle, you yeah. know, trying to get shows, you know, and it's what it is, unfortunately. So is the solution, and I could be wrong about this again, is that you need to go outside of Rochester, you know, in order mm -hmm. to, you know, make it done, you know? yeah. Is that Sometimes uh, there's arguments both ways. Some people feel if you are really good and you know you're a big fish in a small pond, 
that somebody will see you and you, you know you're going to get signed. Well, it doesn't work that much no, right. way anymore. You really have to go out and write, fight tooth and nail for everything. You know, unless you just happen to meet the right guy. You know, it doesn't even have to be. You don't even have to be that talented. Sometimes people just hit or know if they can make money you know it's 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 tough and a lot of a lot of things with studios have shut down because of technology um with the way the instruments are designed now people can record out of their home and people yeah. will promote themselves right. off of yeah. youtube and get you know a million subscribers or something and people have people have become stars that way too mm -hmm. i now, mean boston found their singer it was a guy singing in the shower the, the wow. current version of boston <laughs> no this oh, bradley dalt died that's oh, great yeah, yeah. Wow. you know and uh Jeez. they have the there was there's the filipino gentleman that's in um journey journey yeah journey, yeah. Yeah. yeah they found him somehow like that too you know yeah so even chicago they, they'll go to tribute bands to try to find replacement members you know oh, okay <laughs> you so, know so it's, it's tough <laughs> i'm sure you prefer if you're going to cut a cd you want to be in a studio right sure yeah that's what we've been doing yeah. lately yeah I, what's your you know, ideal studio around here. Well, I, well, I, we're working with Sam Polizzi. He's really good. He's over um, on Blossom, and then oh. a guy named Matt Rammerman in the green room, which right. is the old Acne recording over on Humboldt Street, <laughs> in the neighborhood. You know, our old neighborhood there. And so uh, they're great, top-notch guys. And the so, way that technology is, you yeah. can just so fix things. So, I mean, so for those guys out there that want to go to a studio, they don't know much about it. What what? Do they need to see in a studio? What what would be some of the things you well the first recommend? the first thing is keep yourself organized. Have your music done, whether it's written, you know, if you have scores, or you guys are just very well rehearsed and know your parts. You know, it's time is money type of thing, and you know you're paying so much per hour. Um, you should have a, a booth for drums. Um, they might have amps for guitars, backline. You know, wow. a drum kit in a different booth. Keyboards. We usually bring our own stuff because we can plug in directly into the their systems and stuff like that. So um, pretty cool. I didn't know. Yeah, that. It's, yeah. It, it can get really with Pro Tools. One of the software packages. It's been around for years. You can fix a part of a song if you have a, a bum note where you used to have to go in and punch it in. Now they can cut and paste from another verse or something like that. It's yeah. just the technology is incredible. Oh, and watching those guys, you know, uh, we were there the other day. Well, back in July, doing horn parts, and the three horn players were in another room. We had the musical scores up that my friend Nick had done. The trumpet player had scored out all the music. We were able to, uh, Matt was very good at reading the music, and so was I, and we could figure out parts, and he knew right where he was. And he's got a mouse in one hand, and he's reading the score Whoa, and looking yeah. at a monitor at the same time. It was so Multitasking, yeah. big time. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know what I mean? So it gets, the, the, you can turn out music a lot faster now, you know? I would just, uh, the reason I brought that up too, because the latest November issue of City Newspaper uh, kind of spotlights some local uh, studios. That, oh, I haven't read that, it yet. Uh, yeah, yeah, it check out. it out. Yeah. yeah. So it yeah. got me interested in, gee, you know, what, what do you need to know to, if you want to pick out a good one? Out there. Oh, I'll you, have you, to take it. Yeah, yeah. and you, you did it, you've enlightened me quite a bit here. Um, I, I just have one sure, question. Sure. When you were talking about the tunes before, mm -hmm. uh, are you guys um, have a presence on Spotify? And what are your experiences with that? Well, not I, I think Spotify. I'd have to check. We go to through a company called CD Baby, okay. and um, what we put the first album out there, the Noble Vibes original one in 2013, that was uh, also available through Apple Music and Amazon. Oh, okay. The company does it for you. We'll put it on the various platforms. Oh, all right, okay. And then we have some of it called. Uh, there's. A, I'm not sure if any of your uh, listeners know. There's a site called Reverb Nation. I've heard of that. that and a lot of hopefully some that. of our listeners yeah. have. Okay. And we have a, a bunch of music up there and pictures. We have, obviously, a Facebook page mm -hmm. and a Twitter account. It doesn't get a lot of traffic. Uh, Twitter's kind of political, but uh, not so much for music. But uh, Facebook is... Uh, 
pretty much the platform where people will go to find out about right. our gigs. And but sometimes I was telling the people in the city there are, is a certain amount of people that follow the local music scene that are not on social media. Mm -hmm. So we would have cards listing where we would play. That's and important. Have a good schedule or a you know a December schedule. Mm -hmm. So uh, we haven't checked out Spotify. We may be on there. I'll have to. I'll have to ask right. one of the guys. Now, have you monetized some of that too? Have you been getting some payments every now and then? Yeah, you'll get a check for you know thirty, fifty bucks or something here or there. Right, some right. people will buy a tr an individual track. Right. Or buy a uh, you know half the album, and mm -hmm. then we sell CDs from the stage. That type of thing. We have merchandise, sweatshirts. Right. You know, all with our logo on it, and the yeah. logo is kind of catchy. So uh, we'll. Sometimes I'll pay my daughter's friends when they're home from school to oh, sell right. merchandise. Hey, why not? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I utilize them. They make right. more than I do. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so Jason, um, uh, changing gears here sure. a little bit. Uh, tour stories. How, how is it in, on the road? I was mentioning, you know, it, yeah. is it profitable to go on the road? And well, it, it, it is if you are willing to make that sacrifice. It's an incredibly hard life. We haven't done it. I mean, we've done these day trips or an overnight trip at Bat like in Ithaca or Buffalo and played within um, or two or three state area. Uh, I know Steve, our guitar player, had played with a band called Spawn back in the 90s and they had like a four state area they covered and you know it was tough and you know he went back and got a PhD because he said he was sick of working in restaurants and in hotels. It's, it's incredibly hard and, and some people, Bill, our sound guy, Bill Hooper, will tell you massive stories about the road, being on the road and being home for two weeks at a time and then going back out the rest of the year. It's incredibly Part of a sacrifice to make, and uh, working for no money, and yeah, you know, yeah. and everybody's like, "Well, you know, you wanted to do it, and that's fine." They're not eating, you know, cans of tuna fish or sleeping in the car or yeah. a pool table somewhere, you know, trying to make it work. And, and I think it's incredibly expensive to do now too. Right. You oh, know, cost of vehicles, yeah. insurance. Oh my yeah, God. True. Yeah. Uh, upkeep right. of insurance of instruments and just feeding yourself for for one thing. Well, you know? it's a new ball game now too because of the pandemic. Sure. So, what are some of the Things that the pandemic have like shown you, you know, like in your band. I'm sure you're talking about. Well, it. we we were we were doing Zoom calls and trying to figure out how we wanted to go from there. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. You know, other friends of mine. I know the drummer, my friend Joy's Beyonce's drummer. She's from Buffalo. Oh, she had her whole tour shut down, and that's on a national level. I mean, she's <laughs> making a living at this. And I know the keyboard player from the Average White Band. He's in New York. He's got kids in college. He couldn't play. You know, and that. That's it's really it, it's really put a dent in the music scene, oh, yeah. and we're not seeing the crowds that we used to see. Even no. the summer, we did four. We got back together for four shows, and the crowds just weren't there. Yeah, uh, we had played at Castle Larga at one of the wineries, and they usually average six hundred people, and there was only a hundred and eighty-one that okay, night. Okay, there you Whoa. go. Yeah. Dramatic change. Yes. And, uh, they said their business is down 40%. So you have, you know, the, the venues, and it's not just that. The people, that, the road crews, you have the people that are doing lighting and mm -hmm. all the sound companies. Uh, friend of mine I saw last night, John Vasallo, luckily he's been busy. He runs SOL Sound, and he just mm -hmm. happened to have a really busy month. But it's tough. The pandemic has really put a dent in, mm -hmm. in uh, the entertainment world. And it wasn't talked about. It was... It was, how is it affecting the economy? How is it affecting this and that? It wasn't. You didn't. No. You didn't see it on the news. No. How is it affecting these? More about restaurants than music. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. we had that. You know, people were doing these these private uh, or no, not podcasts, but the uh, the the like the Zoom concerts or whatever. You know, oh, online, right. yes. online yep. concerts. And yep. friends of mine that did it said they they said it was horrible. There was no on, there was no interaction with an audience, right. and you know they were doing it because they had to, and so. Um, and it, it, we thought about doing it, but it didn't work out for us just because of uh, 
the type we feed off the energy of the, the crowd. It, so it, it's funny too because uh, I was I was thinking about this too. All the stimulus money that went out there because of the pandemic. Do, yeah. do, did bands have any opportunity to get stimulus money for loss of money in terms of performing? I mean, did, I, don't, there... I don't know. I think you'd have to be registered as a. Uh, I think you'd have to be registered as a business or. A, I don't know. I don't think. There was, I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, most of us probably very some, few. Yeah, if, very if few. Any, yeah, very few. You know, I mean, these millionaire rock stars or R and B stars aren't going to have to worry about no. that. But no, but I meant, in, you know, in terms of, you know, the in general, the arts in the community, like uh, supporting. Um, uh, club owners, band yeah. members, yeah. you know, yeah. somehow they should have gotten some something out of it. Some kind, some kind of it. And I, I don't know if there was talk about that at one time. I mean, um, remember seeing something on the news last year, but I don't think it ever came to fruition. Yeah. Well, the interesting you know. thing, the interesting thing here too is what, what I've been reading up on is that a lot of states got money that they can play with, if you know what yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah. And it's a general fund. A general I, fund, yeah. and it, it's a shame that a lot of states didn't recognize the arts and culture and how they needed to be supported uh, with some of that money. You know, so it's kind of interesting. I, I, I was I was wondering about that if any musicians had opportunities. No, I mean I think we all got our twelve hundred dollars here and there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 I mean. So you know, so did restaurant owners got a little extra. Not sure. all of them, but some. Uh, mm -hmm. Any rate, I'm sorry to hear that you guys didn't didn't go that way in, yeah. in terms of that. Um, in in terms of uh, some of the people that you've been very thankful to work with here in the community, uh, yeah. you, you mentioned before uh, Ron Stackman and 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 so forth. Who, yeah. who 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 are some of those people that you're grateful to? You know, in terms of oh well, Bill Maley, the town supervisor. You know, he, oh, yeah, he yeah. used to come. He used to come and see the band, and he's the one that keeps us over at Buckland Park every year. <laughs> oh, you know, that's you great. Know. And uh, he had spent some time in Jamaica and has visited there. So he used to come and see us when we were in Canisius. Uh, Jeff at Three Heads, you know, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, good. Yeah, 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 good guy. And, and Danny Deutsch, we played at Abilene a awesome. few times. And he's just a good guy to, to know anyways and has a lot of insight to things. And I think he's a, a very good member of the, we agree. the, the, the community. Um, you know what, by the way, Danny, if you're listening out there, we <laughs> would do. love to interview you. Keep, okay. keep it in mind. Yeah. All right, but go on. I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, there was a, a gentleman named Trey. He's not around anymore. He really gave Noble Vibes our... Our start at Canisius, it was a place, well, it's called the Hook and Spoon now. We used to call it the North Shore, that we were playing there every Sunday for a long time and built it up to a lot of people. Um, and just any of the musicians, there's uh, some, of, some of my friends in the reggae scene. Um, there was a guy we called Elvis. And uh, no, no. He, was, he was, that was his nickname. Uh, a lot of Caribbean people have nicknames. Uh, he was a good keyboard player, taught me a lot. My friend uh, Neil, who's in uh, Jamaica, my friend Neville Francis, who's oh. in Buffalo, uh, just everybody. Awesome. Because this, the, with music, it's kind of a pass down art. You know, you right. can't, you can't go to Eastman and learn about Caribbean music or Latin music. I mean, you can't. It's 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 something that's felt and experienced. That's yeah. pretty cool. Hey, yeah. And uh, how about like the? Uh, can you uh, explain more about your relationship with the Tragedy Brothers? Uh, well, so it's funny, and um, uh, maybe Tone, we should tell him. I, I've known Tone since uh, probably 1992 when I was in a band called the Ventilators. Yes. that had been around since '88 or '89. I saw him at the Park yeah. Fest. I'm like, yeah. man, these guys have no keyboard player. I got. Oh, play with really? Them. That's how that yeah. happened. And I, I saw them at the Park Fest. All and, these uh, years. Glenn wow. Bennett and Joe Appleby and uh -huh. Larry, and, and it's just that's so cool. And John Casey, and as you know, these guys like to have yeah. fun at that yeah. time. And absolutely. So, and I was, I think I was 20. 
I might have been like 23 or 24, and I said, I got to play with these guys. So. And, and may I say, it added to the band, your, your organ. It really did. It was great. Yeah, so John Casey uh, took me kind of under his wing, and he's like, look, you know, we haven't had keyboards, but we'll think about it. They were kind of on the downswing. So this was in the oh. winter of 1992. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd been together a few years. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always kept in those touch with those guys, and uh, we would all frequent carols, uh-huh. you know, yes. as everybody does. Carols is kind of the uh, watering hole for some of the local Witten and uh, Park and Monroe guys. Oh, it sure is. Yeah, you know? sure is. So uh, we always kept in touch, and I had seen the Tragedy Brothers, I think, at Norton's or something. They did, they did a special benefit or something, Norton's Pub out there in Ronacoy, and I knew those guys. And I was hanging around uh, in 2018 at... Uh, I think you guys were there. The, yes. Um, at Carol's, and yes. I said, Joe, you know, you thought about adding keyboards, and it wasn't something they had because they have Josh playing sure. fiddle and they have Jimmy Blonda playing, you know, harmonica. Yeah. And so that was a band with songs that were, were written without keyboards. So I had to kind of adjust my playing or just parts to what Joe had already written. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. You know, so I was That's able great. to play. I was able to play with them until my dad got sick last year, and I had to kind of bow out. And they have another guy, Neil. I'm very sorry that your your father did pass away. Yes, last I'm month very, on the third. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And, Thank and, and, and quickly, what what kind of impact did your dad have on you? It, well, he was very supportive. He would yeah. come to shows of every. He was uh, very very liberal leaning. Um, was a top educator here in the area. Didn't know that. And, yeah, he was uh, got his PhD from the University of Chicago. He had been in the army. Uh, was a language and interpreter in Korean, oh. and he spoke he spoke three, four different languages, and he was just very supportive of education, the arts. You know, he supported Jiva, you know, uh, University of Rochester, you know, Eastman. And, and yet he, he never, uh, you know, had talent that way? Well, he he was more of, he played a little bit of guitar and a little oh, bit did. of piano, for, and then he okay. was in the chorus of the Genesee for 12 years, oh, you know. There's his Barbershop yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. He always loved music. I don't think he took it kind of to wor- sure. where I did, you know. But, sure, uh, but you were inspired by I, him. I, I was inspired by him, um, yeah, in other ways, too. Writing, because he was a really good writer. So he taught me to write, you know, no, put your verbs here and your prepositions, okay, you know, that. Yeah. In terms of music, too, have you written songs, Jason? I mean, I've written a couple of songs, but cool. I've always seen myself as somebody that takes people's songs and, and makes and improves upon them, makes Got them it. better. You know what Got I mean? It. Yes, I do. So that's, that's my craft. I'm not as good as a songwriter as Deanna or Steve or Joe Appleby. Yeah. I think some people, it just comes to them. Yes. They can just write lyrics. They can just turn it out. Yeah. And then my job, I feel, is to boost that up and present that and almost mm-hmm. kind of like a producer you know how, how oh, can yeah. I improve this can we suggest a different drum beat or um, you know and the Tragedy Brothers we did that with a couple of their their songs you know yeah. so yeah you know the thing that's striking me about you Jason is your wealth of knowledge of the business you know what I mean you know right. uh, you said producer earlier here yeah. um, so uh, where do you want to go, you know, in the future, uh, going forward? Uh, what's your to-do list? Uh, what have you yet to accomplish? Well, I, you know, obviously I think everybody has it that straps on a guitar or puts a keyboard in the case that they'd like to make it nationally someday or, you know, be a backup keyboard player for Hall & Oates or be a session guy or something like that. That's incredibly hard to do. And sure. as, as you age, that window is becomes smaller and your runway time is less. Right. So, um, and sometimes you don't know. A lot of it's trial and error, getting with bands and meeting the right people, and it's not going to always work out. And it's it's music and the arts, especially dancers that I know, it's a lot of letdown. I mean, it, it really is, and you have to be strong enough to keep going. Um, I would I would also like to, you know I like ten piece I like big bands with horns and 
I still like to play. I love playing live. I mean, I think that's where the rubber meets the road with a band. You yeah, know? absolutely. Jeff, Jeff will always say that to me at, at Three Heads. He's like, you know, Jason, there's a lot of bands that send me CDs and everything. He goes, send me a live video. I want to see what you can do. Mm -hmm. How do you interact with the audience? How do you perform? You know, and it's a, I like how he thinks, you know. Speaking yeah. to the audience, I mean, uh, they're an important connection for you, aren't they? I mean, they're, yes. the, they're, they're the silver and gold for you, right? Right, and I, I think there, I, we did an interview with the Jazz Fest, me and the girl singer, in 2017, and I think it's still on YouTube, it was about 10 minutes long with the DNC, and I was trying to explain um, that it, we as musicians have a responsibility, whether we realize it or not, to establish the sense of community. And that's what the band has done. So if I have to go to a couple Jamaican restaurants and give them bracelets or schedules of when we're playing, stop in, give them a CD, support the people that support you. That's, that's what I say. Support the people that support you. So that might be going, helping somebody move or making friends with business owners. Supporting, you guys know Top Notch Tony, don't you? Yeah. You know Tony yeah. from the, sure. does sure. all the soccer, yeah. he does all yeah. our merchandise. Yeah. So yeah. that's going to see him and, and establishing relationships with people in your community. Now, that's not always necessary for a band to survive. But I think it helps a lot. Because people want to feel like they're part of something. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if... We go see the Tragedy Brothers, even though I don't play with them all the time. We're a part of that. We're a part of that community that, you know, North Witten, we've known each other, you know, the, you know, Quinny and all those guys and sure. Dan and, sure. and, you know, sure. uh, and, and all, all those guys, you and yeah. uh, both yeah. of you guys and, yeah. and all the Casey's. And so there's that, that, that has a ripple of effect. It and, does. And what that in turn is going to do is you're, 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 they're giving back to you as you're giving to them. Um, and some bands, I don't think realize their role, or musicians don't. It's not always about you, as much as you want it to be. You know, there's a certain amount of ego involved. I think that that can sometimes get in the way of making ourselves better. And I think that's with everything. You know? oh, Jason, I I just want to say you you really hit the nail on the head there yeah. in in terms of what it's all about. You know, the the really true. Mm -hmm. Let I want to play music, and it's for these reasons. It's, it's really great. I mean, our girl singer Deanna is so talented that she'll have Jamaican women text her, "Hey, can you sing this song? Can you sing that song?" Really? You know, well, people think that she's uh, either from Jamaica or like England or something, but she oh. just has this great dialect. And then Nephi's singing the harmonies. Nephi is Jamaican, and um, I I feel like there's this great interplay that goes out and women like to see other women in bands and right. guys will come because women come to a club mm -hmm. you know it's the, it, it it all have that ripple effect and certain things will take care of itself your audience will build based on the music you play and, and how you give to them um I, and it took me a while to figure that out that's awesome yeah it, it, i I think we would like to end it there, you know sure. what I mean? But uh, I would like you to reflect on uh, some of the people right now to keep you strong, you know? Well, my fiance, then. Luenza. Yes. Yes, she's, yes. she's been there. Lovely she's woman. She's from Trinidad. Yes. And she uh, has been with me. I actually knew her about 20 years ago from a different band, but um, she works over at Monroe Community Hospital, and I was in the Dukes playing there one time, and we hooked up, and she's been kind of my rock, and her and her daughter have been there through me and, you know, dealing with my musical... And they, stuff, yeah, oh, and, awesome. and they understand when you're away all yeah. those times. And yeah, support you know, and you. a lot that's of times great. she's with me. But um, yes, and, and it, it is something. You know, her father was a professional trumpet player in Trinidad. Dude, you know, wow, and uh, wrote music for uh, the police department. The police had their own band there in, in Trinidad, and um, her dad, you know, wrote all the music and worked with all the musicians and played with the different calypso bands and stuff and oh soca bands. Yeah, so she's like, you know, I'm a musician. You know, you're a musician. I know how you guys think. You know, so you know the beat. So. <laughs> She, she understands it, and, um, you know, my parents, obviously, for my mom for having the piano in the house. 
That's and, awesome. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we had gotten from, uh, I don't know, it wasn't from the Tollers. It was one of the, the Harmons or something. They didn't want it in their house, and, you know, I got it tuned and everything. <laughs> the rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. So <laughs> Good history. My parents and, you know, uh, the, my cousins that came over from Italy with nothing, you know, they were accordion players and just these monster really? musicians in Buffalo and uh, mostly Niagara Falls and Lockport. Have, have you ever played in the accordion? No, no, it's, no. I, I've never really been able to get, you know, those guys, because of the pandemic, I want to go up there and talk to my oh. cousin Frank, and he's just amazing with oh. it. You know, the old 400 uh, people weddings, they would do all the, you know, the Italian dance music, and I'm sure you guys understand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've got to come back and tell us if you, if you <laughs> yeah, did yeah, that yeah, or yeah, not, yeah, all right? Yeah, yeah. and a lot of, I, I feel like a lot of the older people are, are have passed on, and they started out in the 90s, my relatives, and those were really the people that on both sides, my mom and dad's side, that really kind of set a lot of groundwork for, a lot, I think, a lot of us. Wow, wow. Uh, you know? Well, Jason, I, I want to thank you. You, you're, thank you. You're yeah, quite, your insights were fantastic. Yeah, you're really, quite yeah. the guest. Yeah. Uh, it, you are an easy guest. Uh, we we oh, love easy yeah. guests. It, uh, it, you, you really did in, inspire us today. I didn't, well, that's good. A lot of I things. So. That, I mean, I, yeah. I'm so glad that you guys let me came out and come on. I mean, you know, oh, well, absolutely. Like I said, Costco. I saw Duff there, and he's like, "Hey, I got a podcast." I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. It, sure, it, sure. It, it was really, really wonderful, and and we learned a lot, and that's. That's what we, we hope did. our we listeners did. do yes. did too. Sure. You know? sure. Um, Actually, we're going to have um, Jason play oh. a little bit too. Yes. Right. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. All right. In the meantime, though, just before we do go, uh, yeah. and Jason, you're invited to participate. Absolutely. All right. But if you don't want to, that's fine. We understand. Oh, sure. But it, first of all, you know, I wanted to wish everyone uh, a very happy thanksgiving coming up you know and i began to think about thanksgiving too as well you know right and what a such a traditional you know uh, feast it is for uh, america but then i started thinking about you know probably one of my favorite parts of thanksgiving is you know dessert and especially pie you know I, pie yeah pies I not mean, turkey well no, <laughs> that comes like days later and for many days or pot pie okay y- yes exactly <laughs> well pot pie hmm. uh, but at any rate um I was wondering, I was going to kind of pass it around with you guys. Um, you, you've all had pie for Thanksgiving. Sure, right? sure. Yeah. Right. So, oh, yeah. I, I, first of all, I want to know, what's your favorite pie at Thanksgiving? And if you were a, uh, to describe yourself as a pie, what pie would it be? Okay, I'll, I'll start the ball rolling right, okay, since right, it's right. my derangement right, right. that I brought this up. Okay? Um, so, uh, my favorite uh, pie uh, is chocolate cream pie. Uh, which you really don't see around many Thanksgiving tables, but it's my favorite pie. Uh, Got it out there? Okay. But what kind of a pie do I see myself as? Hmm. Probably a pecan pie, kind of nutty, you know, kind of hard to digest, you know. I kind of think that's that's where I'm at. (laughs) Okay. Um, I guess for me, um, I like key lime pie. Key lime pie. Yeah. But I see myself sort of as a apple crumb pie. Oh, you got to explain that. Well, Doug. let's see. I, well, I think I could. Are have, you a crumb? <laughs> I'm a crumb. I like an outer shell, I guess. That people oh. have to break through to really get oh. at and enjoy and know the real Introspective taste. You guy, know? Huh? Yes, yes. Wow. So, yeah. Boy, and 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 then we get the key line, right? You do. Yeah. <laughs> it's all mixed up. Cool. Jace. Well, when my grandmother came from Italy, she could make a mean lemon meringue pie, and Ooh. I used to love that when I was little. Ooh, I, we used to, you know, she's made it right from the egg whites and all that oh, stuff, yeah. you know, oh, and uh, in the 70s, and got older and stopped making it, so I kind of forgot about it, but then I, I see myself more, more as a chocolate pie. 
Oh, a little well, different. Right, little yeah. different. Okay. Wow, yeah. brother. Something yeah, 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 you don't yeah, see yeah, all yeah. the time. That's you know? great. I've never right, met right, you right. in Italian playing <laughs> reggae music. You know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Truly, yeah. truly. So black and going. white. Black yeah. and white. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. reminds yeah. me. That's the other thing, Dark sure. Road, I kind of went down was, well, you know, I think about the tradition of Thanksgiving. You know, it's mm. all about the pilgrims coming, but really wasn't that about abusing the Native Americans when they got here. But then I started thinking about pumpkin pie. When you think about it, the pumpkin, right? Yeah, the yeah, color is, right. is brown. You know, the brown skin of Native Americans. And what do we put over the top of it? White, white, uh, dominating <laughs> cream. cream. And what do they call that cream? Whip cream. Whip slavery. Ah, ah maybe yeah. I'm thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, oh God, I can't believe it. Oh, there's whip. Uh, is this whipped cream? It is whipped cream. No, it's not. It's burning my eyes. What is it? <laughs> shaving cream. It's shaving cream. It's oh, the from the dollar store. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the first pie-in-the-face podcast. You deserved it. Uh, maybe so, but oh, my eyes. Oh, we got to pause it here, will you? My eyes are burning. <laughs> Well, before we go, Jason is going to favor us with some music and some reflection. So take it away, Jason. And before we go, I want to remind you that Jason will be in the next City Newspaper edition in December where he will be interviewed, and we look forward to that. Take it away, Jason. Well, thanks, you guys. So uh, we were talking about the Tragedy Brothers of uh, inserting um, songs that were already written, keyboard parts, and I was just playing a little bit of uh, Joe's song, City Limits, and um, one thing I did, he added a guitar part that I kind of doubled and uh, made it... uh, not so much like a lullaby or a music box, but this this constant thing going around under his lyrics. And So it's got it's kind of got that Roy Bitten that Springsteen sound probably like between like seventy four yeah. and seventy eight. So really, uh, I think the harmonica player Jimmy made that. No, no, no. And I would play that with him. So that that type of feel I tried to bring into the Tragedy Brothers when I played. And there was another song, uh, the Peggy Girl, which is the the recent yeah. one that you guys mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I can just play the riff. It's a. Uh, Cool. That's yeah. doubling up what like Josh plays and everything, and sure. then I came and then I came up with a you know a build you know. A... 
the same thing. So it's it's you know what I mentioned before about building and adding to somebody's music. That's a, a similar thing that I would do. Great, you know? great collaboration. Oh, it right? certainly is. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, you know as far as some of the stuff I've done with Noble Vibes, um, we we would come up with uh, like a brass section. Uh, That's a song, Beautiful Life, that Steve wrote a, a, you know, a horn part for, and I would maybe change a little bit. You know, or, eh, let me see. Or I would come up with different lines just to accent whatever you would do. It, it's hard to kind of play that without the rest of the song. But that's, that's how I see my role as a musician, is actually enhancing what somebody's done already, you know? That's, that's beautiful. It's a great it's, philosophy. I yeah. yeah, and it, it, it just makes both stronger, both you and the other person stronger. Yeah, and, and, and I, think that, I think as a role as a musician, we all owe that to wherever we're putting our talents or are putting our resources towards, uh, is, is making something better, you know? Um, and, and I'm like, my God, gosh, Joe from the Tragedy Brothers, he wrote a good song. I mean, changes like this are... It's a classical. It's 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 just gorgeous, you know. Um, and my God, why can't I write a song like that? So you know what I mean. <laughs> now, what was one of the first songs you ever learned as a child, or something that you still sort of go through? Oh yeah. So you, you know, when you when you're younger and you start playing playing piano, you're always playing little things. So it'll be like. Practice. Is that you don't know Hill Street Blues? <laughs> I can't remember all of it, but that, that would yeah. be the type of the thing because you go what's on the radio, you know, there was no internet sure, then, sure, so sure. we didn't have, you know, yeah. you're, you're playing or Joe Cocker. <laughs> ah, what is that? I can't even remember, okay, but yeah, that, yeah. That, that type of stuff. And then you eventually get into playing, um, for piano players in rock, there's not a lot unless you're Elton John or Billy Joel or you're playing Allen Brothers. You know? Chuck Lavelle that played with all my brothers, that stuff. So there's not a and lot. And with the Rolling Stones. Uh, and with the, yeah, yeah. And the Rolling Stones, yeah, you know, right. who I happen to love. But there's not a lot of keyboards in their music, too. But I was, no, uh, me and Joe were a big Stones fans, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, um, and then I, I would get into, then I got into the Springsteen stuff later. And he's not very well liked by a lot of people, but his piano player is incredible. That intro to Backstreets, but that 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 kind of open sound, kind of operatic, you know, um, kind of ornamental playing. I got into that stuff, uh, kind of on my own, and taught myself a style, you know. Or uh, there's a song called The Promise. like that and so I, I use it as an influence and I take the, those approaches and I will put them in other people's music you know what I mean so you're you're, you're try, trying to find out your role as you figure out your parts and you know where to put them and 
then just go from there. A lot of things will take care of itself, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> do, do you feel like uh, you know you're stealing music when you do stuff like that, or? Well, not if it's it, directly. Like the thing with the Tragedy Brothers, I did. It's it's in the. It's more about being in the style. I'm not stealing notes. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Yep. No, I, I throw that yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. No, I, I know. You know, so yeah. uh, and there's always the, the the opportunity to play in cover bands and stuff like that. Being a keyboard player, you know, you have that. There's not a lot of us out there doing it. You know, so the reason I asked that too yeah. is like, you know, I I've, I've, I've been listening to uh, Bob Dylan, his mm -hmm. latest tour that he's out on, and, and you know, of course one of the big criticisms against Dylan is that he's supposedly stolen songs from sure. other people or, or melodies, I should yeah. say, you mm -hmm. know, from other people. Mm -hmm. But you know, I mean, I think it's all this thing of like when you talk about invention and innovation what's going on there is innovation right I mean yeah. we all do it you know we all innovate on things and I think that's a uh, that's a good point if you actually I think who was it the George Harrison that got in trouble for stealing my sweet lord oh, or yes, yeah, right. yeah good point yeah, yeah. his that is a famous guy an actor whose dad was the one that proved that somebody actually took a melody right. if you have a pro uh, you know a progression that could be a ton, a ton of songs. Absolutely. You know, I mean, how do you put a, you know, Van yeah, Morrison you, could use yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Know? And it, it, it's, if you're actually, I think you, they have to prove intent to, you're stealing a melody, and then there's, you know, legal things going along with that, I guess. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure uh, exactly, but you have to be able to prove that, you know what I mean? There's a lot of songs they can kind of mash together, and they, they sound, wow, that, that sounds like a, another song that I've heard somehow, you know what yeah. I mean? But which yeah. is a beautiful thing. I mean, it's like yeah, and sometimes yeah. it's it's not out of maliciousness. It's sometimes right. you inspiration. Will write, you will write a song, and you're like, wait a minute, I've heard that. You know what I mean? Uh, somewhere else, where did what is that? That sounds like this. This sounds like Jimmy Cliff, or this yeah. sounds this sounds like Springsteen. Or this sounds like the Stones or something, or Michael Jackson. And, and I don't think people, yeah, mean to do it. Sometimes people will actually rip off a lick, but I, I don't I don't think it's done maliciously most of the yeah. time. Have you ever seen bands like, I think they call it phrasing within a song, right? It's, yeah. I think it's called phrasing. I, I think that, you know, what is phrasing? But for Well, phrasing is how you play something instead of playing... Exactly. So that's domino. Those right. are the two chords for domino by Van Morrison. There you go. So f I would phrase it... Perfect, yes. That's how I, fr I phrase it more of a, a soul way, you know. Just how you play a passage, that's a phrase. Well, you yeah. just proved my point, too, yeah. because this, like the idea of phrasing, you sort of gave it your own identity there. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. gave it, that's great. I think it's... You know, somebody will take a song like Merry Christmas Baby, it's uh, Otis Redding, and then people will redo it. Somebody will add a couple extra notes to that, you know, or putting it at a different key. You know, there's different ways of playing things, too, different ways of approaches, you know. So I try to learn the stock and then go from there, you know. Embellish it a bit, maybe. Yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. That's the word, embellish. There you go, yeah. there's a music road, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but that, uh, and that's, again, how I see my role in, in music. Um, and it's not that I wouldn't play solo or have solos do anything or come up with anything of my own, um, but I'm, mu I'm much better at, at, at being a small part of a larger system, you know, as a band. You know, we all have a role to fill, and what are you bringing to the table? What's the violin doing? What's the bass doing? The guitar player. You know, it's not a free fall. So close us out, sure. Jason, with uh, what's been brought to the table lately. Um, uh, 
Yeah, actually, you know, not not a lot. You know, oh, okay. so it's going out with my father. <laughs> uh, okay. Not 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 a lot. Um, All right. Well, anything you feel yeah, inspired. Anything you feel like. Yeah. What do you want to close the sh show? Oh, uh, geez, guys, you guys are gonna put me on the spot here. Yeah, I don't. That's I can't what we're about. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, I've got something I've kind of worked on for uh, uh, a long, a long time. Okay. And uh, this is probably 20 years old. Let me just grab the. Oh, right. beautiful. Yeah. It's like a good old scotch. Ah, different sound. That's amazing. Bravo. Bravo. That's fantastic. Jason, yeah, little, thank you. A little bit of an abridged version. So. Yeah, thank you so much. Jason, You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. You have been. And I just want to say you, you really showed us the wide range of talent that you have and uh, the dedication that you have overall to your art form, and that's music. And we, we feel we feel lucky to have shared this afternoon with you. So yeah. thank you again. And I, I, do, I have to ask one thing before sure. we do sign off. Do you happen to know, and this is my when I was forced by my mom, like you were saying, to play, take <laughs> piano lessons, I had for the recital to play Beethoven's Ninth. Would you happen to know Beethoven's Ninth? I wouldn't happen to know it, but I think that was the last one that he, he wrote that when he was deaf. Yes. He, he was deaf. Yep. That, was, that was the one um, that you know, he could hardly hear, and he had to have people, you know, he heard it in his head. Right. And then had to have musicians come and make that. And I was just watching a documentary about that the other day on Amazon. That's interesting. Well, that. some would say that after I performed it, that you should have been deaf. <laughs> you should have been deaf to hear it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He was in a whole, as a classical music he, uh, musician, he was in a whole other league as a piano player. I mean, he would just, he would compete with guys around Vienna. That was the big melting yeah. pot of musicians. And right. He was just in, in, incredible. I mean, we right. do have a great classical scene. Yeah, so in, in Rochester too. I forgot yeah. to mention. Yeah, awesome, so. awesome. Well, thank, thank you Thanks, again, Jason. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we're just going to say that uh, in closing out, 
uh, Def, this has been a wonderful way to close out uh, our 10th episode, season one of yeah. Tone Deaf. So uh, once again, Jason, thank you. Thanks yes, again. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Okay, Def, and once again, it's sponsor time. Oh, let us know. Who's the sponsor? Well, I'm happy to say that it's still Fiorella Restaurant, located in the Rochester Public Market. And also number one in city newspapers, uh, best Italian restaurants. So check it out where you'll find the food and the people. Bellissimo. And by Carol's, Carol's Bar and Grill, where they're ready to serve you up with a smile. And that's our favorite bartenders there. Pat Dunn and Danny Ryan. Who are some of the famous people that hang out there in Rochester? The Tragedy Brothers. On any night, I could probably guarantee you, you'll find at least one Tragedy Brother hanging out there. So if you're lonely and you want to talk to Tragedy, go to Carol's, located across the street from East High School. On Main Street. All right. <laughs>